got high But I'm still feeling low Walking in the rain With no place to go Searching for something That I know I need some new Jersey rockin' Hey everyone, it's Rob with Four Songs. Can you believe it's been two years, almost to the day, since I started doing this? Actually, it's technically a little bit past two years. Pretty hard to believe. Sometimes I just don't know how long I'm going to keep this going. I never thought I'd be going this long, but as long as people keep listening in and people get keep getting booked, I'm going to keep doing it. Just stick with me. Subscribe. You know where to find me on Twitter, at 4songs2. That's at 4songs2. And then go check out the subscription link and listen in. So this episode, it's pretty unique for it to be my, I mean, that's not technically going to be coming out on my second anniversary, but it's still pretty cool to say it's coming out then anyway. So, but as you know, the reason I started this podcast was because I couldn't write a song that said my life. I love music. I love everything about it. As hard as I've tried, I just can't do it. And that's fine. It's cool. I'd rather spend my time doing this and learning about the craft and sharing secrets, or I mean, not secrets, but sharing stories and learning, talking to the best at their business. Because hell, I can't do it. So might as well learn from the best. Anyway, this episode is pretty interesting because the musician that I speak with, singer-songwriter Ben Vaughn, is the first, I would say, is both an artist and a craftsman. And there's a difference between that. You know, an artist is someone who creates the art for themselves and for their fans if they're listening and they're into it and then you got a following. So then you have a craftsman, someone who makes a craft, who is looking really to supplement their artistic endeavors. It's not easy to do both. It's a different mindset. It's someone who can just write a song for a commercial or a TV theme like Ben Vaughn has done. He's done stuff like Third Rock from the Sun, that 70s show. You know, shows you may have watched in the 90s or early aughts, whoever want to call the early 2000s. But he's also an artist. He's been at it since the 80s. In fact, I got a funny story that I had to cut from this episode because of timing constraints, but I'm going to share it very quickly here. So my wife actually got to see Ben Vaughn in Raleigh, North Carolina many years ago. He was on tour with, I think, the Ben Vaughn Trio. So if you know Ben Vaughn, you know when that was. So she was in Raleigh at the time and going to see Ben Vaughn Turns out Ben's truck broke down or their van broke down somewhere between Georgia and Raleigh. So they waited. They they called the venue. The band called the venue and said, hey, we're not going to be there on time. Just have the opening back to leave their instruments on. And, and so we can just jump on in and we won't have time for a sound check. We're just going to hit the stage. And so that's what happened. As Ben tells the story, and unfortunately, like I said, I had to cut it from this podcast. But he tells the story. They just pretty much hit the pedal to the metal when they got the car back. Ended up in Raleigh, jumped from the van into the venue, hopped on stage and started playing. No tuning, no sound check, just boom. So anyway, so Ben, he's been around the, the block a few times and he is very eager and willing to share his, his stories and his time and his talent. So I talked to Ben about his latest release called The World of Ben Vaughn. This was a special release for Record Store Day, which was in April. So you know I'm a little behind on this. But thankfully, it just came out on CD and streaming platforms just this past week, May 20th. So the world of Ben Vaughn is now available. We talk about four songs from the album, Wayne Fontana Was Wrong, Blind Alley, Asking for a Friend, and New Jersey Rock and Roll. What you'll find fascinating about Ben is his music. It's both simple and subtle, 
And when I say simple, I actually mean it's incredibly difficult, which may not make a lot of sense. How can something be simple and hard? Well, it's simple because when you listen to the lyrics, you listen to the music, you realize just instantly what's going on in the songs. His music I would describe as something like They Might Be Giants meets Lou Reed, just something very catchy, very breezy, but very subtle, very sharp in the lyrics and the wit. And that's not easy to do. Well, he'll say it's easy for him because he's a writer by trade and a writer by passion. But for people like me, I can't do it. How do you use that one simple word to describe a feeling that everyone can relate to? I'm an overwriter. I tend to overdo things. I record these introductions like eight times till I get it right. And I never think that I do. But anyway, it's having that knowledge of knowing what word to use and only that word and using as few words as possible to get across an emotion. And I can't think of many better than Ben Vaughn. So with that, I'm going to welcome Ben Vaughn to Four Songs. Thank you, Ben, for joining me for Four Songs. It's a pleasure to have you on here and an honor. Appreciate you being here today. It's great to be here. Well, so, you know, I started this almost exactly two years ago, right as the pandemic was setting in. And you know, the first question I've been asking everyone that hasn't changed is just, how have you been the last now two years? Great, actually. I'm very lucky. I thrived during a lot of the lockdown because I had a lot of creative projects that I wasn't getting any headway on. So all of a sudden, the phone stopped ringing, the invitations stopped, the live gigs stopped. So I was able to dive in and finish a lot of writing and a lot of recording and, and various other things. But then it got it got weird, like it did for all of us. After a while, you're like, okay, that's that's great and everything, but I sure would like to be wasting time with some friends at a bar right now. You know, <laughs> the lack of of community fit in a physical sense, you know, started to hit me probably about six or maybe eight months into it. I really realized how much more of a sociable person I am than I thought I was. And it's been great. It's been great getting back into it. Yeah. Well, did it affect your writing at all at first? Because I know talking to some people early on that they were like, I don't know how to handle living in an environment that's not normal. And then just that social interaction, I guess, was key to a lot of people's inspirations. I'm just wondering, as from me as a writer's perspective, how did it affect that process? Well, the first song on my album, In My Own Reality, kind of spells it out. You know, I, uh, music, music has been escapism for me since I was a kid. I grew up in a working class environment where being an artist or a musician was kind of sort of something you kept to yourself. So I lived in my own world of creativity, listening to the radio and imagining, imagining myself as, a, as a, you know, a writer or a musician or an artist or something when I grew up. So it's always been a bit of an escapist thing for me. So that's where I went first uh, with my writing. Also, one of the things about this show that I've enjoyed doing is it's introduced me to a lot of songwriters and probably you've been at this for a long time and I've admired folks like you who've been doing it for so long and seems to be so so easy, <laughs> but I know it's not. And so I know this is going to sound like a dumb question, but like, is there a secret <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually writing is easy for me. I hate to tell you, but it actually is. <laughs> I'm writing all the time. Songs come to me constantly. They come to me when I'm driving or when I'm walking. I don't usually write with an instrument in my hand. It usually shows up in my head and is pretty much fully formed before I get a chance to figure out what the, what the chords are even going to be. I have to chase it down. Like I have to, I work backwards a lot of the time. I, 
And when I finally get to an instrument, I have to match the sound that's in my head as opposed to having a guitar riff that I, I have to match my, my singing to. It's the opposite way for me. But I've been writing songs since I was like 10 years old. They weren't good at first, but I was writing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, like, because you've starting, you know, this is back, I think, in the 80s, and, and your career has taken you to, to the West Coast, where I think you still are, right? It's really yes, where, yes, that's where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and through this, you've done not only music for yourself and for records and CDs, but you've done TV and film and what is the, the difference? One thing that, you know, I, I, you know, I, I envisioned myself one day as a, as a songwriter, but I just never had the chops or discipline to actually do it or whatever, whatever it takes, whatever you have, I don't have. And, but I, I love music and I, I love talking to, to songwriters like you who just do it effortlessly, it seems. But I've always wondered, like, is there a difference between like writing a song, like something for you or versus writing TV and film? I mean, yeah, there's a, big you, there's a big difference. Yeah. And, and I wanted, see, I knew I could write from inspiration because that's what I've been doing my whole life and my whole career. And right around in the mid nineties, early nineties, I wanted to find out if, if I could, if I was also a craftsman, I knew I was an artist, but I wanted to find out if, if I was also a craftsman, uh, could I write to us on assignment with deadlines? Because, you know, in the music business, you only need like 11 or 12 songs every year and a half to make an album. So you're not really writing that much. You don't really need to write that much. And I wanted to write music every day. So that's why I came out to California. And within three months, I got a, I got a, uh, a network TV show. And that was thrown into their production schedule, which was super intense. You know, you're your music is going on the air next Tuesday and you're still in the studio putting it together on the Friday before that. And you can't miss deadlines and you can't have writer's block or they'll fire you. And I re- I reacted really well to it. It was very healthy for me. And I was really happy to find out that I could write either from inspiration or on assignment. I wanted to be able to do both. Well, I mean, does, has it ever kind of, have the lines ever blurred like something that you've written for like you throw it out for the sun or that 70s show that you thought, you know, this is something I might revisit at some point. Not so much. No, no. The, the lines were pretty, uh, pretty clear. The line between the two is, has always been pretty clear for me. Uh, when I follow my, like as a songwriter with lyrics, there's no place for that in TV music. So yeah. it's, it's completely different, you know, writing songs with, I'm a, I'm a lyric fanatic. Like I love, you know, Hank Williams and Roger Miller and Mose Allison, Ray Davies, you know, anyone who has great lyrics, Bob Dylan, I'm I'm a fanatic, Tom T. Hall. So I'm I'm working in that area as an artist for myself. And when I was doing TV music, it was all instrumental music. So that was easy for me to, it was easier for me to make that difference, I think. Well, one thing that we'll talk about as we get into the latest release called The World of Ben Vaughn and you play all the instruments, which to me is, is mind boggling as someone who struggles to play the guitar. And, but when you come and getting comfortable with the instruments, I'm just curious about the way that when you write a song, an album that you play all the instruments, like how, <laughs> that's not like that's not a dumb question, but like, how do you do that? But that just, to me, that's just like 
wow. I mean, you got to like everything in your head as you're writing the song one piece at a time, right? I mean, I kind of hear production in my head while I'm writing. When I was a kid and I would listen to the radio, I, I listened to the radio constantly and I would stay up at night when I was supposed to be sleeping and I would pick up radio stations like WLS in Chicago. I grew up in New Jersey and uh, Philadelphia radio was my main source of music, but also I could pick up WABC up in New York and WOR up in New York. And then late at night, I could pick up WLS in Chicago. I could, I could listen to the Grand Old Opry. And then my dad, he was a TV repairman and he had shortwave radio down in the basement that I dragged upstairs and plugged in. And from an early age, I was always able to pick out all the instruments on the record when I heard it. I could say, oh, yeah, there's piano, organ, a harmonica solo bass. Somebody's playing a tambourine on the chorus. I was, it was very natural for me to hear everything and also hear production techniques like the difference between a song that had a lot of reverb and one that didn't, I was aware of as well. So when I write a song, a lot of times I'm hearing the produced version in my head. I'm hearing a record in my head, not just a song. And then I kind of uh, work backwards from that vision by laying down the parts that are necessary for it. Sometimes I, I, I surprise myself. I'll play something unintentionally <laughs> and realize that that actually works better than the original spark of inspiration. But, um, so about you like you mean like you're you're kind of laying on the tracks maybe and then you kind of hear it a little differently or you kind of get some a chord that was you weren't yeah I'll play I'll, I'll play a lick or something I go ooh that's something worth pursuing uh, I should drop I I don't like to be too what would the word be concretized I guess to a you know to the vision like if a surprise happens I'm. I try to be open to, to running with that for a while and seeing if that's a good, a good way to go. But I started out as a drummer. So playing all the instruments, okay. you know, I, you know, I played drums. I started playing drums when I was 12 and I would play in dance bands, uh, high schools and, you know, battle the bands and um, high school dances. And then I switched to guitar when I was 15 because I wanted to write songs. So I was a multi-instrumentalist as a teenager because when I discovered reel-to-reel recording. I was probably 16, 17 years old. A friend of mine had a, a four-track reel-to-reel, and I would play all the instruments then when I was a teenager because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any. And I really liked it. The first Paul McCartney album blew me away. And are you familiar with Emmett Rhodes? No. Emmett Rhodes, he was in a band called The Merry-Go-Round, and then they broke up. And in 1970, he put out an album I highly recommend it where he plays all the instruments himself. And it was really hard to do back then because, you know, sound on sound and multi-tracking was not an easy thing to do. And I was really inspired by, by those guys. And so I, I started my very first ever experiments uh, recording. My songs were one man band recordings. It was, it was kind of like a, 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 like an older skill that I just reactivated for this album. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about four songs from the album called The Road of Ben Vaughn. We're talking about Wayne Fontana Was Wrong, Blind Dally, Asking for a Friend, and New Jersey Rock and Roll. So we'll talk about the, the first song as I wanted to chat about was Wayne Fontana Was Wrong, which is a pretty direct reference 
to the, the mind benders hit the game of love. And, you know, it's one of the songs that I've always heard on the radio, but I never really knew who did it. And, but you know, what, what is it about this song that led you to write an answer to it? Well, I was in a grocery store uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, went to a grocery store, which was a big deal back then to go out to the mm-hmm. grocery store. And Game of Love by Wayne Fontana and the Mindbenders came over the speakers. And I stopped and I listened to the song and I thought, you know, now that I'm older, I realize love is not a game. That is the wrong way to look at love. And then I thought Wayne Fontana was wrong. And of course, that's a, it's a great title. I had to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, I wrote the song in my car on the, on the ride home. By the time I got home, the whole thing was done. Wayne Fontana was wrong. Wayne Fontana was wrong. Love ain't a game you can play all day long. Even though I love his song. Tana was wrong When you look her in the eye Don't be shy You don't need no secret sign Just say what's on your mind And if you do Because it was a great, you know, and also Wayne Fontana was wrong. There are three W's in that title. You know, it, it really has like a you know, like an alliteration in there mm-hmm. that, that makes it a, uh, a strong title, even if you don't know who Wayne Fontana is. But also rhythmically, Wayne Fontana was wrong. It's, yeah. it, just, it just wants to be a song. <laughs> you know, it wanted to be a song. And it came to me and the lyrics are all about love not being a game. Yeah. Well, it's be, kind of funny. Yeah be, di- yeah, be direct, be honest in your relationships. You know, don't don't mess around and play games. No, there ain't no need to hide the love you feel inside. Just wear it on your sleeve so she can see it and believe. If you lay it on the line, she'll be yours in time. I'm repeating myself, but Wayne Fontana was wrong. He was wrong. Wayne Fontana was wrong. So wrong. Love ain't a game. You can play all day long. No, even though I love his song. Wayne Fontana was wrong. He was wrong. He was wrong. wrong. Again, it kind of gets to your point, though, because I think of myself and when I met my wife, like, you know, I was always trying to play the stupid games like oh make sure you wait a couple of days between dates to call or do all that silly stuff and the one time i didn't play games was when i started dating my wife and next thing you know <laughs> yep yeah so, the real yeah the real thing the real thing yeah. is, is not a game so when you said you, you wrote this kind of on, on the way home from the supermarket like did you kind of have even the, the tracks like the instruments the organ to me is what really makes this song to me but like, could you kind of hear all that too when you were composing this? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, definitely that guitar lick. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be similar to the Game of Love, but not the same chords or the same thing. But I wanted it to be a mid-60s garage, British invasion kind of feel. 
I could hear all the chords and the organ was a little bit of a surprise because I had just bought that organ. Hmm. And I, and I, and I, I was like, let me plug this in and see if this works. And the minute I played it, I'm like, whoa, hmm. <laughs> perfect. Blind Alley is another fun one. Well, these are all really, I mean, I love all these songs, but this one, because I, I think the songs I picked, I think they stand out to me in a way, because this one is like, you can just hear kind of a voiceover. This just fits in with one of those like 50s detective stories. And um, I'm wondering, because you spent, you spent a good part of your career on film and TV. And I wonder if, if this maybe kind of came to you from maybe working on some movies or something, or how did, how did this come to you? Well, I watch, I'm a big fan of noir films. Okay. Um, I, and I try to see every one I can find and I watch noir alley on TCM. I don't even remember how that song came to me. You know, I went down a blind alley looking for love. I went down a blind alley looking for love. I went down a blind alley looking for love. She seemed fine at the time. But how was I to know that I would soon be laid low? Another man down, bleeding on the ground. I went down a blind. I was just th thinking of all of the protagonists in noir films are these men who are destroyed by a woman. They're either convinced the woman convinces them to rob a bank or something, right? And then the guy goes down, and the woman. The, the women win in those movies most of the time and the men lose. And I just started thinking about that, like, you know, the difference between going, you know, going in a positive direction as far as being attracted to another person or going in a dangerous, destruct, self-destructive direction. And a blind alley would be like, you, you don't see the trouble coming in a blind alley, you know? Right. It's around the corner, you know, or behind the garbage can, there's, there's trouble. <laughs> and uh, that one came to me really, really fast, too. Looking for love, I was ready to go when she spoke soft and low. The thing she said went straight to my head till I couldn't see the plan she had for me. I went down a blind alley looking for love, looking for love. I went down a blind alley looking for love, looking for love. Yeah, it's funny because I, I can kind of like I hear when I listen to the song, I just picture like a movie like that. And then you hear, you know, that detective voiceover like, oh, I didn't see it coming or, you know, that 
she really, you know, if I turned my, my neck, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, just how that, that detective voice would just come in there and try and tell the story. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for the guy, you know, <laughs> he winds up so, dead, but not, to, yeah. not, that was a spoiler alert, I guess, but the guy ends up dead <laughs> at the end of the song. Yeah. Well, how did you set the mood for that? Because, you know, because it's the music, I think, that does it. But you have the, the kind of the alicat bass line and I guess the, the beatnik drumming, for lack of a better term. But like, yeah, and, and finger snaps, that's all there is. Yeah. Uh, except for the harmonica solo. Um, believe it or not, the Andy Griffith theme. There's a snare drum. I think there's a bass. Maybe there's a guitar just jink, 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 and finger snaps and whistling. And that's that theme endured for like what, 10 years. And I love that theme. And I love stripped down music, like things with hard, you know, productions with hardly any instruments. Well, and, that's one. Yeah. And I'm also a big Tom Waits fan too, which helps. Yeah. 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 Certainly hear that influence here. And, one of the things I've always struggled with and that I admire about your writing is you don't do too much with the words, but you paint a very vivid picture. And I, I was wondering how hard that is to do. Like, I know you said it comes fairly easy to you, but I mean, I, I think just using the right words in the right way, but you're not using very many here, but again, you know, what's happening. You just, I mean, how, how do you do that? <laughs> Well, sometimes they come to me just like that, like no other words will do, you know, like I'm, I know it sounds like a cliche, but I'm a lot of times I'm uh, channeling or something when I'm writing. Sometimes I don't even remember writing. And then afterwards, I, 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 not that I don't remember, but the, pro the process of it, I don't remember. And then sometimes I will write and I, and I think, okay, it's time to, it's time to, do some subtraction here and get it down to only the essential words and nothing else. I've never been able to write wordy stuff really well. And I admire people who can do that, but I'm not one of them. Uh, I like getting it down like Roger Miller, you know, mm -hmm. wanted to move on to asking for a friend, which I think is personifies this whole idea of just being as simple, using the, as few words as possible, but something that is so relatable everybody and it's a yeah. soothing <clears throat> song yeah well that song i wanted assume the role of a person who is in pain but pretending they're not in pain mm -hmm. uh, someone who is in trouble but pretending they're not like they're portraying to the outside world that everything's okay and the phrase asking for a friend is comical in today's world because, you know, people say, hey, can anybody tell me where to buy, you know, a, a purple jumpsuit? Asking for a friend, you know, pretending you're not the one asking, right? right. It's all over at Facebook and everything. And I thought, what if I took that phrase and made it a, uh, a serious thing?
Tell me how does a heart that's broken ever mend? Asking, asking for a friend. You know, people used to joke back in, in the, they don't joke about it much anymore, which is a good thing. But like, you know, people were, would not reveal that they were in therapy. That they would that they were seeing a psychiatrist it was, it was considered a shameful thing, and they would say like, "Hey, can you recommend a good psychiatrist? I'm asking for a friend." You know, like a fr a friend of mine has this problem, not me, but a friend of mine, and that's always been in our culture. And I thought that it would be good to write a song about someone who is going through a hard time, wondering, asking, "Will it get better?" But pretending. It, you know, he's um, asking for someone else. And how many days with nights that never end? Asking, asking for a friend. Asking for a friend whose heart's in trouble again. I wouldn't know about such things. Yeah, and I like how the music to this one just—it's—it's it's a musically, it's—it's it's kind of breezy, like a, just a nice song, like kind of carefree vibe. But the the, the lyrics, though, they're very heavy in a sense, and. I wonder, like, how does the role of that when you're writing, when you decide, like, I want to try to write a song about this perspective, how do you put the music to make sure that that gets relates to the, to the lyrics, if that makes sense? Well, that came to me, they come to me at the same time. So it's kind of hard to answer that. Um, like, why do we fall in love? Please remind me once again. I mean, it was just in my head, like the lyrics and the melody come to me in my head together in my mind there's no other way to go than than the way it arrives for me it's a my, writing is is less of an intellectual process for me than you would think and i'm sure i'm not the only one i like i'm not a, a, a rare bird in this sense that when asking for a friend came to me it was almost ready to be written like life experience or helping friends go through hard times, going through hard times myself. All of that is research for writing. If you're a, if you're a natural writer, everything that happens in your life is, is data input. And when it's time, when, it, when it's the proper time for that song to show up fully formed that's what happens with me they just arrive and i'm i'm, I'm basically uh, transcribing what's coming in as f and trying to get it down sing it into a tape recorder or write down the lyrics before i forget because another song might show up and knock that one off to the side i'm, I'm always writing asking for a friend that that came to me in my mind fully formed with that melody with most of those lyrics i kind of did 
work on that song lyrically. Like I allowed myself to take time on that one and make sure, I think I wrote like six or seven verses of that and then picked which ones uh, portrayed what I wanted to portray the best. Yeah. Well, I want to wrap up and I want to thank you for your time tonight. Then I guess it's early afternoon or mid afternoon where you are. The song I think I like the best was New Jersey rock and roll. And I, my mom is from New Jersey. So this stood out to me for, for that reason, but just kind of, you know, knowing that there's a difference between like a New York and New Jersey rock and roll. And you, you kind of hit that at the very end when you talk about it's not California, it's not New York, it's New Jersey, but just kind of wondering what this song meant to you. I think it's obviously kind of a longing for home, at least for me, from my, my perspective of it, but. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah, you you have it right. It's 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 a song about homesickness, and there's a there's two two elements that created that song. One is funny. I was reading an article somewhere, and somebody described the Smithereens as New Jersey rock and roll, and I laughed out loud because I don't, I, I never knew there was such a thing. Even mm-hmm. though I'm I'm part of it, apparently I'm part mm-hmm. of it, right? <laughs> but I never thought that there was a New Jersey sound, you know. And for the smithereens to be lumped in with Bruce Springsteen as part of the same thing, it kind of made me laugh because I'm not sure if it's really true that there is a New Jersey sound, but New Jersey rock and roll as a title, it made me laugh. To me, it was a funny title. Mm -hmm. But then I had a memory. I, I moved out to, I was getting divorced back in 1980 and I left New Jersey and I lived in LA for six months. And then I, I ended up moving back. But during those six months, I was incredibly homesick. I, I really felt out of my element in LA. And a funny thing happened, ironic thing happened is, I love Bruce Springsteen, but one thing I don't like is the saxophone solos that he ha- seems to have in every other song. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just not my favorite motif, right? I was walking down the street, it was raining, in Santa Monica, which it doesn't do that often. So it's a rainy night in Santa Monica. I'm feeling really homesick. And a car pulls up and is waiting at a red light and it had the window open. And a Bruce Springsteen song with a saxophone solo was blasting out of that car. And I realized, wow, I even miss saxophone solo. (laughs) That's how homesick I am. And I remember feeling like gutted at that time you know it's a long time ago and i was getting divorced so i was very raw and you know very open you know to feeling raw emotions it's like kind of transport i had a memory of that like new jersey rock and roll what is new jersey rock and roll and i thought well that moment you know when that saxophone solo came out of that car and i was walking in the rain that that's you know that's a, that's where this song is now going to go. So I put myself back in time as that guy who it just isn't working in California for him. You know, the, um, the streets of gold, the, you know, mm-hmm. the palm, the palm trees and everything are not working for him. And he's, you know, drinking or getting high or whatever and trying to push away pain, but it's not working. There's only one thing to do and that's go back to New Jersey. But in the song, it's just, Let me just hear a New Jersey song and I'll feel better, you know. I got high 
but I'm still feeling low. Walking in the rain with no place to go. Searching for something that I know. I need some new Jersey rock and roll. There's a pain in my heart, a pain in my soul. This is this is my favorite on the album. Just again, I think maybe because I can relate to it in the sense having that that Jersey past. But um, I think again, everyone's had that feeling of homesickness where you just want to hear something familiar and that brings you back. So was it in kind of revisiting this was, did you put yourself directly in that same mindset? And was that difficult to do just emotionally? Yeah, I did. I did. It was a little painful, but I wanted to get to it. You know, when I, get, I wanted to get down, I'm trying to think of what the lyrics are right now, but I think in the second verse or something about, um, got a pain in my heart, got a pain in my soul got thoughts in my head I can't control you know I wanted to I wanted to paint like how how rough of a time this guy is having how uncentered non-centered uncentered yeah. <laughs> whatever the word is yeah. uh, he feels he needs he, he was looking for something to center him emotionally there's a pain in my heart a pain in my soul Thoughts in my head I can't control The way I feel Couldn't be more cold I need some New Jersey rock and roll Rock and roll, rock and roll Come find me and take me home Yeah, it, it brought back an unpleasant memory, but I was willing to go there probably because I knew I had I had a potentially funny title. See, it's a funny to me. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's a funny title to you, but it's a funny because it's it's kind of an obnoxious, you know, like if somebody sees that title, they go, oh, yeah, well, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him whether that's New Jersey rock and roll. It's almost like a dare, you know, yeah. like New Jersey rock and roll, like Bon Jovi. What are we talking right. about? Bon Jovi? <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, Southside Johnny, the Smithereens, mm-hmm. you know, or the Four Seasons, you know, who are right. we talking about here, you know? And I love that it's almost like a confrontational title that makes me smile, and, mm-hmm. and to know that I could write a very emotionally desperate song uh, using that title that really uh, intrigued me. Whether I could pull it off, you know. Where the palm trees grow But I can't relate To these streets of gold The days are warm But the nights are cold I need some New Jersey rock and roll So, so I, I bummed you out too, great. No, no, my, my, my work here is my work here is done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so as you wrap up, uh, what's 
this album comes out on record store day and um what what's your plans for 2022 oh i'm gonna be going to to spain on tour for 10 shows in mm. uh, in may which was supposed to happen two and a half years ago and obviously got postponed yeah and i'm, I'm going back to philly to play a show may 21st and then we get on the plane and go over to spain for 10 shows and i play i play um there's a small bar out here in la where i play like once or twice a month and there's also a, a roadhouse out in the desert i'm in santa monica right now but i have a house out in the mojave desert that i've had for like 23 years i think at this point and there's a roadhouse in the middle of nowhere out there where I can play anytime I want outside on an outside stage. And out here, you can pretty much play outdoors all year round. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been busy, you know, I've been busy and um, really enjoying being back after, after lockdown, really enjoying it. Good. Well, hopefully uh, we're, I'm in the DC area. So maybe if you are in, this neck of the woods, I'll introduce myself and you can talk to my wife about that, that gig in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to meet her. That was, she, she saw a good one <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or, or at least a legendary one. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's sometimes that matters more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It probably does in the long run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for your time tonight, Ben. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. I had a great time talking to you. I appreciate um, the interest and uh, a great conversation. I love your yeah. show. Well, thank you, Ben. And thank you for saying you love my show because that's just really cool to hear. And I hope other people love the show too and that you're listening and that you go out and buy some of Ben's music. You can find him on streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, or just go out and buy the damn CD. Go out to your local record store if you have one. Go pick it up. Go pick up the vinyl. Do whatever you got to do. Support these artists. So thank you for listening and we will be back soon.